Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. We're joined on this edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, by Sabres reporter for The Athletic, John Vogel, joining our usual cadre of Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, he covers the Bills, and Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein United. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, John. We have Jack Eichel's neck. Is he going to continue to stick his neck out for the Sabres? Apparently not. The Sabres coaching search has been started. The draft lottery odds are out. Where do you want to start? It'll start with Jack, right? What tickles your ass with a feather? <laughs> My wife. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, yeah, we'll start with Jack. Why not? You want to start over? <laughs> I don't care what. <laughs> awkward start to Tim Graham and friends. <laughs> you can start over that. I don't care. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're into it now. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, we haven't had you on for a little bit. And really, there's not a lot of news regarding Jack Eichel over the last few days. Uh, your reporting there at The Athletic has been comprehensive and up to date, uh, gotten us to where we are today. But it's the first time we've had you on the show. Uh, you know the nuance. You know all the uh, the, the actors in this play. Um, how do you think this evolves over the course of the offseason? And how convinced are you that Jack Eichel has played his final game with the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, I'm pretty convinced he's played his last game with the Sabres. Uh, the next big step is end of May, early June. Um, there's no exact date at the moment, but that's when the 12-week mark is up. Um, both Eichel's camp and the Sabres agreed to wait 12 weeks, uh, give rest and rehab to the herniated disc in his neck, and then go from there. Um, where they differ wildly is Sabres want, they're waiting to see what happens at the 12 week mark, and then they'll evaluate further. Jack Eichel wanted to schedule uh, disc replacement surgery right at the 12 week mark because he and his camp have talked to multiple neurosurgeons who said that if it hadn't healed after six weeks, surgery was going to be the best option. So he did, we're at about 10 weeks now. He's still not feeling better. So he wanted to preemptively schedule this surgery, be ready to go because the recovery time is two to three months. If it takes three months and he gets it done in early June, then he's back in time for September training camp. Um, if he has to wait for the Sabres to decide that it's okay, it might be July by then, who knows? And then he might miss the start of the season, which he doesn't want to do after missing most of this season. So that's where the big discrepancy between the team and the outdoor camp is at the moment. What's your general how, take? Oh, go ahead, Matthew. How are you understanding 
the amount of opinions Jack Eichel has gotten on this, because I think there's been a little bit of, um, I don't know if it's misunderstanding or what, but I know he's allowed to get a second opinion under the CBA, but is, does that have to be a league approved second opinion? Uh, they do have a list of doctors that you can get a second opinion from that the team will pay for. And then I think if you go off that list, there's a benefit on your own dime, I believe is how it works. But uh, his second opinion that he got was in Colorado. And that second opinion doctor agreed with the 12 week uh, rest period. Um, so the Eichel's going along with that. And then after he got the second opinion, he got multiple opinions after that from neurosurgeons. He kept talking, he kept digging into it more because he was feeling pain. And as he said, he's one day he wants to be a dad and a husband. And he's heard that if the, if the, uh, if they fuse together, it could be a long-term problems. He might have trouble lifting his kids. He wants to get it taken care of. And his camp is convinced that a surgery is the best way to get this fixed. So, yeah, but he's gotten multiple opinions after that second opinion. How do you chalk up this discrepancy, John, when you factor in the sentiment that Jack Eichel probably wants out? And obviously there are different medical opinions, but these are stark differences. Um, so I guess it, it, how, do you, uh, how do you reconcile those two aspects of Jack Eichel's future? And how, I guess if it's a Venn diagram, how much are they overlapping yeah i mean it uh there's definitely it's a convenient well convenience not the right word but it's an out for him. it gives them an out to say hey we're getting we're not agreeing on anything let's uh let's part ways but if he was healthy i feel, still think they'd be eager to part ways uh, if he was the Eichel camp this is seven years now uh he wasn't happy last year this year he was more embarrassed than what i was told by a few people who would know just in the fact that can't hide from the fact he had two goals. I mean, this is a guy who's always scored in his career. He got two goals. So he didn't help the Sabres either. Uh, and he admitted that. Um, but he also doesn't see much hope. Um, they got an interim coach. They got a rookie GM. Um, I think he's seeing all his draft mate peers have playoff success. His friends are winning cups. He doesn't see that path here, I don't think. How would you... I know it's fresh on your mind with this all drought draft you and Tim did, but it seems like since I've been here, there's been, you know, in about seven years, there's been like nine different times people have said, this is rock bottom. The Sabres have hit rock bottom. Um, where does the, for as long as you've been covering the Sabres, where does this Jack Eichel fiasco rank on the, uh, the rock bottom uh, power rankings or Mount Rushmore? I think the feeling was still worse when Ralph Kruger was the coach. Uh, Cause in late February, earlier March, I don't think it's ever been as bad as it was. I mean, they had a guy who, who was just awful at his job. Nobody was performing. Everyone was miserable. Um, I think there's enough people out there that would be okay with moving on from Jack. I mean, there's just been no results. Uh, not a, as Tim mentioned in our draft, it's not all his fault. I mean, he's put up some numbers, but the fact is, this guy was supposed to come in and help him win, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, there's a lot of factors to that, but I think there's, from what I've seen and heard, um, there's people who, if they get the right deal, they're fine with Jack moving on. It's not, I don't think he's ingrained himself in the community as much as other stars have. It's not, he still does charitable work. He does, he has people come down. Well, 
before this season. People come visit after every game. He has a suite that he donates. He, does, he makes donations. But he's not, he's not in the way that, say, Ryan Miller and Pat LaFontaine were you can see them in the hospital almost every day. They were always out there. They were doing things for the community. And Jack, while he puts his money out there and he donates things and says hi to people at the game, I don't think he's invested in the community as much as some other stars have been. How does Jack's injury and the flat tax salary cap and things like that affect his current value and the ability of the Sabres to make a deal that they like right now? If I were in a, if I were a team, I'd be worried about trading for a guy who's got a serious neck injury for sure. Um, both, both the people who suggest, both the doctors who suggest the rest and the doctors who suggest the surgery, both think this is going to be fine. Uh, he'll be fine by the next season. You don't know. Um, there's a uh, Savers prospect named Aaron Huglin. He had a bulging disc in his back. Uh, which was a little lower. That put him out for 20 months. Uh, he's finally back. He's committed to Minnesota now, but uh, this is something that could linger. Uh, and if I'm team acquiring a guy, I'm picking the ante for five years and 50 million. I want to make sure he's healthy. And if he's not, I'm going to give a little less. So I think it does affect his trade value, which is why this next step in a couple of weeks here is big. Whether, whether they decide rest or surgery, that's going to really help teams get a gauge on where he stands and what they should offer. Who has the leverage here? Because there are so many different ways. If this were a scale, you could throw a bunch of things on either side of the scale. But as this, when it settles, who has more leverage right now? In what, it, like in just his health or? In, in, regard, his- in regard to Jack Eichel's future, I, I guess, you know, the Sabres in a decision as to whether to keep him or trade him. Right now, I think the Sabres, um, just in the fact that uh, his no trade clause doesn't kick in, and, or no movement clause, sorry, doesn't kick in for another 13 months now, 14 months. So they can send him anywhere. They can field offers uh, for anything. And what's he going to do? Not come back next year? It's not like there's a holdout situation. He's got a contract. He's got to show up. So ideally, if they're going to separate, they want to do it before the season starts. But it's not like he's going to turn down $10 million and he's, he's So he's got to come so at the moment, I think the Sabres have the, uh, the upper hand, I'd say, but they also have to move. They can't, they can't risk bringing right. a miserable captain back. Right, and it goes to what we were just talking about regarding his uncertain future. So, yeah, the Sabres might have leverage in terms of, yeah, they can force Jack Eichel to come back. But is it time to get assets for something that you are uncertain about? So, yeah, you could force him to come back and, and have but, – but what do you got? Yeah. What are you forced to come back? Just because he's a $10 million a year salary doesn't mean he's a $10 million player next season. I think if they – the thing that the Sabres are thinking is if he comes back, they're not making the playoffs anymore because they won't have uh, – let's – even if he – they're going to have to get a major package for all these guys, first of all, in order to become a playoff if they keep Reinhardt, if they keep Eichel, if they keep uh, line and they don't have a playoff team next year. They don't have enough money to add some more impact players. They don't even have a goalie sign for next season, for goodness sake. So they, uh, yeah, well, thinking back to that rock bottom part, maybe we're there. I mean, <laughs> they've already tied the NHL record with 10 straight playoff misses, and it's going to be a lot of work in order to avoid a left. 
So is Kevin Adams up to this task? I don't know. I'll let actually I'll let Tim answer that. He's a little more. Why me? I don't know. <laughs> Hell, I, I probably not. I mean, I've said it before on this podcast that if it works out, it will be a stroke of luck. It will be a lightning strike of of a miracle that a general manager with no experience who is just only now starting to get help is still short staffed on his scouting. Um, and, and that's not to say that this is, was my opinion, you know, just in the last few weeks based on how the season ended. This was my thought when they hired him. And especially when he went into the season with no assistant general manager with a, uh, a totally, uh, cut to the bone scouting staff, you know, relying on video. Um, it's um, yeah, it, it, it will be one of the greatest stories in hockey history. If the Sabres can somehow manage to figure this out and it's going to have better. to happen. I mean, cause yeah, you could say, well, 10 years from now, if he's still in the role for some reason, well, there's going to be, I mean, yeah, maybe they, maybe they can, salvage a couple of seasons together after, but we're talking, what do you got to do to be successful as a general manager, you know, within three, four, five years. Okay. Let's even give a, let's be generous and say five years. If they can turn the Sabres, not just into a playoff team, but one that can win around in the playoffs. I I think it's a miracle. Maybe the better question is, can either of you in all of your years, covering hockey, covering the NHL, remember a team that had this many questions. I mean, we're talking about the captain wanting out two other significant players, maybe not the two best players, but Ristolainen and Reinhardt, two of the top, what, five best players on the team, also not opposed to getting out. No goalie under contract, as uh, John mentioned here. And, I mean, the, the GM question of a guy who's never done this before. And part of the reason we had John on, they don't have a coach either. They're still trying to figure out what's going on with the coach. I mean, can either of you remember a franchise that had this, all of that at once and, you know, pulled out of it within, I think the five-year timetable might be the most realistic unless, unless, like you said, Tim, they get a real stroke of luck make all the right trade, win every single trade they make if they trade all these guys and somehow get the right coach. It's kind of like me putting together a golf betting card. You know, it's a $2 parlay to win a thousand bucks. They're not all probably going to hit. And, you know, I don't, it's not an all or nothing proposition, but it's, it's a lot of uh, balls to juggle in the air at the same time. When you put it like that, like I'm thinking, even if, even a guy like Lou Lamarello, if he's stepping in, he's got to hire a coach, trade a captain, get some other players. That's a, it's a heavy lift for a guy who's done it before or done some of those things before. Kevin walking into the first situation with a lot of these is tough because he hired a uh, he hired a minor league coach last last offseason, but we can't really tell. Seth Afford did any good with the Amherst. They only played three teams. There was that the Sabres are on their sixth string goalie. The Amherst are on the organization's eighth string goalie because they're signing guys off the street. So you can't tell how he is as a coach. So you can't really say if Kevin Adams knows what he, how to find the right coach, even let alone players for that coach. So yeah, I can't remember a, 
a time when there's this many things at once that someone has to do. I can't say for sure, but the Islanders pop into my head. Um, but I'd have to go back and look. I mean, right, you know, when Garth Snow, that was like, where well, Garth Snow is going to be a general manager? I mean, that was strange. And given Rick DiPietro a 53-year contract or whatever they gave him and, you know, all kinds of craziness was going on in, in Long Island. But, but even then, I mean, they made the playoffs. They ended up hiring Ted Nolan and getting to the playoffs a couple of years in a row. And, uh, and yeah, they've, they've been competitive uh, after uh, suffering through the Mike Milbury era of giving away all their, their best players. But, um, you know, it was referenced earlier in the podcast, the uh, project that uh, John Vogel and I did for the athletic, we did an, an all drought draft. We tried to come up with the best team symbolic of the draft, uh, the drought. So, um, wasn't necessarily the best team or the worst team, just the most symbolic. And I was struck in doing my research, and I think I got most of these players, um, of players who were just so miserable that they didn't even give a fuck anymore. They wanted out, even if it meant leaving hockey, even if it meant giving up tens of millions of dollars, just like, get me out of Buffalo. Uh, I mean, you don't, when I was covering hockey, I mean, you didn't even hear that in, in the, in the hinterlands, you didn't hear that in Atlanta or, I mean, I'm trying to think of what really what the, the absolute worst teams were back at that time. But, you know, you don't hear that in Florida, obviously you got a weather situation, but um, you know, think of all the worst teams in hockey. You never hear people just saying, you know what, I'm just not going to show up. I'm just not going to report. I'm just going to quit. The Bills actually had some of that, you know, Dree Archer. People still don't know whatever happened to Dree Archer. They acquired him, and he's like, nah, I'm good. Um, the, Bills, the Bills went through that and with Quan the Tom Cousineau and Jim yeah. Kelly and Joe Cribs and everybody. You know what? Ah, thank God this USFL showed up. I'm just going to go do that. Um, but, yeah, guys just leaving for Europe. No, I'm just not. I just don't want to be an NHL or if it means being a Buffalo Sabre. I mean, that's a hell of a statement. Anyway. It is multiple guys have done it too. I mean, I had three guys on my team. It's almost, it, it, I think it's part of what makes this summer an off season such a tightrope for Kevin Adams to walk because you can almost everybody, I think, can probably envision Jack Eichel going somewhere else and being in the MVP race next season. Oh. Like, I don't think anybody's going to deny his talent has the production always been there? You know, is the leadership on point? People like to debate that, you know, that, you know, back and forth all day long, but it's not that hard. If it can happen for Ryan O'Reilly, if, if Zach Bogosian can lift a Stanley cup, like it's not that hard to see this guy. I mean, Taylor Hall, I think is the latest example of listening to that guy talk after watching him play earlier this year is like, are you kidding me? And like watching him play how, how much better he is now than he was a few months ago. It's like, that is the root of the problem. I don't know how you solve that part of the problem, but if it's permanently broken, then, you know, I don't know. You're, you're going to have a hard time turning that part around. It is like the Islanders or like these teams that were just like, Oh man, you don't want to go there. All it takes is, you know, a couple winning seasons to turn it around, but obviously a couple winning seasons is not that easy to, to pull off. So yeah, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, Eichel, are those guys going to be lifting a cup somewhere? You know, like 
and are they going to be, you know, putting up huge goal totals and playing in playoff games? And how are you going to feel as a, as a Sabres fan if you're watching that? Yeah, and that kind of leads into why there's a little fan revolt against Adams, uh, both Adams and his uh, new associate GM, Jason Carmano, said, we're going to get this right with people who want to be here. And, well, who the hell wants to be here? I mean, you don't have enough players to fill out a roster if you're only going to go with people. Ryan that- Vins wants to be here. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, let's get a bunch of guys who have no other options. Yeah. The Ben Wapuliots of the world. That didn't already work. And yeah, there's be miracle. I'm asking he's still available. <laughs> he's around town somewhere. He's in town, town of Tonawanda, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So to hear him say, like, that's kind of their laying the groundwork. Well, these guys didn't want to be here. That's why we moved them out. But part of it is you can't blame them for not wanting to be here. There's so much chaos. Yeah, the root cause is building a place that players want to be. And as Tim mentioned, you know, they don't have, it's not Florida, you know, they don't have the, the built in, the Panthers could get a guy to come there, you know, on that alone. But it's also, it's not like in football. I don't think, you know, Tim had written multiple stories about the bills being Siberia to free agents, but I don't think location is a big problem in as big of a problem in hockey like these guys a lot of them from Canada Ontario it's not too far from home you know it's not you know it is still generally considered a good hockey city but it has clearly developed a reputation as an organization where players come to be the worst version of themselves and that is is probably scary if you're a if you're a player and especially one who if you're on one of these teams that's in the uh the Jack Eichel sweepstakes and you don't have a no movement clause, you're probably wondering, geez, like, am I going to end up there? And, and I don't think it has anything to do with the city, the market, anything like that. It's everything that's happening inside those walls downtown. Yeah. One of the Columbus goalies, when the blue jackets were on a losing streak, he's like, well, listen, we don't want to turn into Buffalo, which is how people think they're just a team that just keeps losing. And that's it's all that it's all that this is for 10 years now. It's the team that loses. And yeah, you get the you get the the people who want to come here are the family guys like Matt Molson, who are on the back nine of their career. There's a nice place to live. The kids will like it. Um, or guys like Jeff Skinner who wanted to be here so his parents could come and drive down an hour, uh, hour and a half away, and he doesn't have to have the pressure of the Maple Leafs as a Toronto res- resident. So you get the guys who are local and family men but those aren't the guys who can build a team around anymore really john what do you think happens with the coaching search it seems uh with maybe a month left in the season the public sentiment was bring don granado back and that still may be the case um but as the season kind of trickled towards the the finish line and i think people got enough of the the initial spark of of don granado and now people are thinking well maybe let's see what's out there which is what kevin adams is seems to be doing at least on the surface do you think it's a legitimate open search how think, how much is it don granado's job to lose i think it's 50 50 for don um a lot of it is if they're going to move jack Sam and risk the line in and bring in younger players. I think Granado's the guy to keep. Um, he's already proven he can make Casey Middlestat and Tage Thompson and all these younger guys better. So if you're going to add more younger guys to your team, then yeah, keep Don Granado. 
However, if you're going to try and keep Jack, if you're going to try and keep uh, Reinhardt through the trade deadline, keep Ristolainen for one more year, then maybe you do look at a Bruce Boudreaux. Um, they said that I saw a report today. They're going to definitely talk to Boudreaux. They're going to talk to Rick Tockett. I have to assume John Tortorella is on the list. Um, at least I want to talk to the guy. Um, but I'd say it's 50-50 that it's Granado's guy. Just more. Which, if you had said that a year ago, I don't think anyone would believe that. What if are your thoughts that, on that? Going into next season with Don Granado as the coach? I like it. I do. I think he's fine. I mean, he down the stretch, I don't have the right. I think it was 9-11-3 or something with the fifth and sixth best goalies of the year. Um, I think he knows what he's doing. He said he was, he gave a teaser in his exit interview saying, you haven't seen all my coaching yet. I got things that I want to do. I was just coaching as a situation of a last place team trying to develop people. So I think uh, he's got enough, uh, he's got enough respect from people who've worked with him in the past that I think there might be something there. He's good for our purposes. He, uh, Savers PR told me a story that uh, he didn't like one of the answers he gave a reporter. So after the Zoom wrapped up, he's like, you think I should call him and give him a better answer? I don't really like what I told him. And he said, no, I think it was good enough. But that's for our purposes. I mean, what more do you want? That's good stuff right there. And you, you talk about the Sabres, their new model seems to be wanting to win with the people that want to be here. And you could maybe apply that to the fans as well for the last couple of weeks of the season, months of the season. Nobody wanted to be in that building. How much do you think that factors into the coaching hire in the offseason? Do the Sabres need to make moves that re-energize the fan base? And is there anything that can be done to get people excited again by October? I really don't know what they can do to excite this fan base, um, at least to make them buy tickets. I mean, there could be excitement to watch again, but I to buy actually put money down, I don't see what I don't see anything happen, um, especially in a city that's already seen coaching splashes such as Rex Ryan and different team but that didn't go well so I think uh that was the only part of Kevin Adams exit interview where I think he missed the mark I mentioned that hey people didn't come you how do you want because he had mentioned earlier in the chat that yeah we got to connect we have a disconnect with the fans we got to fix and I said you mentioned that and part of it was you open the doors and no one came and he he kind of chalked a little bit of it off to uh well, they had to go through a lot of hoops, they had testing and whatnot. I don't think that had anything to do with it. People, if you had given them a free ticket and no test, they still wouldn't have gone. I mean, for the last, what is it, three seasons, you can get tickets for six bucks on StubHub. So this is something going back and you can't just chalk up this distant or this uninterest in, uh, in testing and COVID. I mean, there's a deep disconnect with this fan base and I, I know a lot of people who would not spend any money to come watch this team, no matter what they do, until they really start proving that they're worth the people's time and time and money. Are there any foreseeable Taylor Hall slash Eric Stahl moves to be made? Because as much as we can look back on those now as silly, and I think well, we, we didn't call them silly. I think no. we were skeptical. We were skeptical when those happened. Everybody loved the Taylor Hall, at least on this podcast when we had Chris Baker on. Everybody seemed to think I didn't. Was be a great I didn't. I predicted that, that it was. It was. They were signing him for a draft pick, and um, Derek Stahl. I, I didn't really have an opinion on because of his age, but the Taylor Hall signing, especially at the one year, I said this is a, a draft pick waiting to happen. Um, but it did get people re-energized and thought it got the owner at least based on the 
Embedded show that you've uh, referenced in your work, John, uh, got the owner thinking Stanley Cup. Uh, the number one fan right there. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but, yeah, I, I guess there are those players out there that uh, that might not have any control, like Eric Stahl. He didn't pick Buffalo. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, trade me to Buffalo. But there are some teams out there that might just be willing to get rid of a, a name player uh, that fans can – Desperate fans, I should underscore desperate fans, uh, can can huddle around like hobos over a flaming garbage can out in a out in a parking lot or an alley somewhere. I think the most realistic trade option, um, having talked with uh, the our Calgary writer at the Athletic quite a bit, I think. Flames are looking to shake up their organization in the same way. They just have some talented people and it just isn't working. Um, and they're convinced Matthew Kachuk for Jack Eichel could be the base of a nice trade. I think fans, uh, fans would embrace that. I think Matthew Kachuk's kind of the, I know we make jokes about the blue collar and grit stuff, but he's that and a scorer. I mean, the guy scored 34 goals, got two 20 plus seasons and he hits people, which people around here like. Um, then I'm looking at, uh, looking at the free agent list and you'd have a hard time thinking some of these guys would even have Buffalo on their long list, not on the short list, uh, Gabrielle. Landis, they, how many of these players would have Buffalo on their 25 team list? <laughs> right. Uh, Gabrielle Landeskog with the avalanche. I wouldn't see him coming. Um, Alexander Ovechkin. No. Um, Taylor Hall, hey, there he is again. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Any Canisius graduates? Uh... <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's no free agents they could bring in that would get people saying, oh, all right, let's, uh, let's go buy a ticket. So, yeah, anything they do to revamp this team has to be with, with, these, with these trades of Eichel and Reinhardt and maybe Ristolainen, although after writing about a Ristolainen trade for five years now, I don't think I'll ever actually see it happen. You never thought you were going to cover another coach other than Lindy Ruff. And, <laughs> uh, and now look at you. Yeah, that's true. Things change around here. Yeah. When they that's change, they, they, they change a lot. Yeah. That was one, yeah, 11 uh, years of Lindy. And then <laughs> a lot of guys since then. Holy cow. What else you want to talk about, John? Um, our team. Are you looking forward to this summer? I'm very much looking forward to this summer. Um, I got some Blue Jays tickets. So oh yeah. yeah, talk about let's talk about that because well, we're doing a family trip and we're going to take in some baseball games. Uh, I have Dodger Stadium on my bucket list. Uh, I turned 50 this summer, so I think we're going to maybe splurge and go out west and do some stuff. And um, all the time I was living out West, I would be in LA and the Dodgers were just out of town or something would come up. Uh, I think there was a playoff game. We, we tried to get into and the bills were out there, Matthew, I think a few years ago, but it didn't, they were, it turns out they were, they were in the other town. The series was in the, in the opposite air anyways. So long windup. Uh, I think I'm spending less money on my trip to go see a Dodgers game than you did to get tickets in Buffalo. Uh, what, what did you end up with? That's possible. We got uh, two tickets to opening day, uh, June 1st, even though it's not opening day. Um, we got 
four tickets to the first Yankee game and four tickets to the second Yankee game. Um, we would have tried for the third, but I have a wedding rehearsal that day, so couldn't do both. Um, but yeah, um, excited. My wife's a big Yankee fan. Um, one game we're going with some friends. The other game we're taking our kids, Ty and Mario, who are also Yankee fans. Um, so that should be fun. What those run you? Uh, two. Well, the first game against the Marlins was sixty bucks each, and then the Yankee games were I think around. The one was two oh six or something, and then the other one was one sixty. So, where are you sit? One is next right to behind Jeter for uh, for the first game, I hope, and then uh, next to whoever's playing second base for the Yankees now. <laughs> yeah, we're right. Uh, the ones that were more, the ones that were more expensive were uh, just to uh, just to the right hand side of home plate. Sixth, seventh row, I think it is. So yeah, uh, we could almost we could throw peanuts in the dugout if we want to. And then the other ones are uh, just third baseline, just past the dugout. So yeah, they're good seats. What are your thoughts on sitting behind the net? I don't usually like it, um, but when we went to uh, see the Blue Jays a couple of years ago, we were right behind home plate where the netting was, and it didn't. I, by the second inning, I didn't notice much, so it was fine. I find it to be a good vantage point mm-hmm. behind home plate. I, I like sitting behind the dugout and I would do the fan view on StubHub when we go down to the Pirates game, our annual trip to PNC Park, which is my favorite park, mm-hmm. and always sit behind the Pirates dugout, spend a little extra money because it's a family trip. It's, you know, my one baseball game a year, really. And uh, hate the net, hate the net. So I always avoid the net. And then StubHub didn't update its seating graphics where you can see your, see the field from your seat, mm-hmm. the little app that they have. And uh, so I spent a lot of money on those tickets and sit down and come walking down the steps. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's net went net because the end and major league baseball Extended goes, net. goes net way down the line now. Yeah. I think it's different from that angle because you're taking more of a long-term focus still on the actual action. And when you're at home plate, you're right behind home plate where John's going to be. You're so close that the net, you know, you get used to it pretty quickly, but when you're farther away, the net becomes a little bit of a pain. It's kind of similar in hockey, but tip, you know, that's why sometimes I like being up top in hockey a little bit better. You know, you get to see everything, but um, yeah, from the baselines, the net is a bit of an obstruction. The, uh, the only advice I got for you if you go to that L.A. game is do not throw up gang signs because you will get kicked out immediately. <laughs> um, well, thank they, you for that. because yes, I don't know if you have any gang signs in your repertoire, but uh, they, the Dodgers were playing the Yankees uh, during the NHL draft one year. So our good friend George Richards and I went and got some tickets. And uh, there was someone, there was a guy cheering, and then all of a sudden he did a few things with his hands and security came down and kicked him out right was away. the someone cheering george richards no we we oh. stuck around long enough and we said, uh, no we didn't have any rooting interest in that game um because i didn't like the yankees back then because I, I it's not that i like them now but uh and as a giant san francisco giants fan i sure wasn't rooting for the dodgers so we just went for some beer and dodger dogs hung out but yeah so don't throw up the games the oakland days are looking for a new home uh, 
Oakland Coliseum uh, is uh, a wreck and has been for decades. And now that the Raiders are gone, I think uh, the city of Oakland thought that uh, they could just rehab that as a baseball only stadium, but it's fallen apart. And the A's uh, are now threatening to leave if they don't get a new stadium. So I ask you, John Vogel, and then open it up for the, for the class. Would you trade your NHL team for a major league baseball team? Would I personally? Mm-hmm. No, cause I don't, I couldn't even, I like baseball. I like it a lot. It might be my, well, no, I still like boxing, but I like, uh, I like baseball. Um, but even if they were in town, there's no way I'd go to 81 games, home games. I'd go to four, five. So I don't think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I think it would be successful only because the, you know, the Sabres have to compete with the bills for two solid months and there's no competition until the end of the season. And, and fans generally are out of, uh, they, they stop paying attention unless you're a playoff team anyway. But if there were playoff team, then I, I think that would momentum would carry right into, into October, uh, for a baseball team. But I think, uh, I think Buffalo's a pretty strong baseball town as they've proven with their support of the Bisons. Those numbers are inflated. I think borderline fictitious uh, with whatever the Bisons have talked about their attendance, but. Um, April, April's tough though. I It's cold. Yeah, we just got nice weather like a week ago. So baseball here. Well, I mean, I'd say for John. There's teams in Cleveland and Toronto and Pittsburgh, and they all have to yeah, deal with it. Toronto's indoors. I mean, so you'd have to build, I guess, in a stadium with a retractable roof, put the football team and the baseball team in there maybe. Uh, it depend- I, I think the answer for a lot of people would probably depend on the Pagoulas buying the baseball team. Is that <laughs> is that how it's working? Because people might be a little hesitant. Um, I feel like for John, he would have to trade – at best, you know, covering hockey for baseball, right? Like, I would never, like, never, you know, never, and I don't think anybody do. wants to do that. So I would do that. John would be joining us on the Bills beat. You'd rather, well, yeah, you'd well, get more games. I right? thought about it. Tim answered the question. My first thought was, well, I really don't care as a fan. But then I'm thinking, work wise, it's twice as many home games to cover. So the way I work, that's a lot more money. And the arena's freezing no matter when the game is being played. It's an uncomfortable experience sitting in there covering it. I think just from a temperature and atmosphere standpoint and covering the baseball games in nice weather, maybe that's not the case in April and October, but for most of the season, it's a nice day at the park. Maybe it gets old after a while. I don't know, but I hate when people bring this up. Usually it's in the context of who I trade the Sabres and the Bisons and I throw in the Buttes if we could get the Buffalo Braves back. And then people had this conversation like that happens. Like you can just trade in, trade up, go to the dealership and say, I got these three minor league franchises and the Sabres that are borderline major league. Can you give me a real major league team? And it just, it doesn't work that way. It's also not really a good, um, it's kind of like the, the Jack Eichel trade conversation. This would be a very bad time to trade the, the Sabres. It would be, you know, they're they're damaged goods at the moment. They're not, You'd the get value the, is you might low. be able to get the Oakland A's. It's true. Well, and I do. I, Oakland Portland A's have really great uniforms. The, the Buffalo A's. Uh, 
<laughs> I think would be would be you know pretty good. I don't think Las Vegas might end up with both Oakland teams. Yeah, I think Las Vegas is a better location in general. I mean, weather is is a problem. Probably not too much worse than Cleveland. You're right, or Boston. You know, it's probably not dramatically worse, but this is and can be a hockey town. And it would, you know, I think that would obviously. It's, wait, let me stop you right there. It's funny. It's funny to hear Matthew say that. I've never seen it. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen it. Right. And all I'm not. Now, people I'm not, all ever I'm not since I've been here. Said, what you just said, but you said this can be a hockey town. It's not there were discussions right before you got here, Matthew, of is, is Buffalo an NFL town compared to how much it was a hockey town? I mean, this was, it, it was people, there would be, there would have been a discussion back in 2006, 2007. If you said you're only allowed to have one team, one major league team, you know, when, when Ralph Wilson dies, the bills are leaving. I would be, I would be fascinated to see what the breakdown would be of people saying, fine, just let me have, I love, because that's, I mean, how into the town or that's how into the Sabres um, Buffalo was. And to just to think, just to hear Matthew say that, it's probably like when I was growing up in the, in, with the Indians and wondering if Cleveland was a baseball town, because once the Indians got good in the nineties, it was proof that Cleveland is a baseball town more than it is a football town, which a lot of people would be stunned to, to hear, but and maybe it goes back to our conversation with Tim Bontemps just a few days ago, talking about the Knicks really being the team that, that carries uh, the day in, in New York sports more than any others. Anyways. Um, yeah, that just, and Matthew is not wrong in saying that that's his observation. It's been 10 years. It goes to this. Drought, I didn't get here yesterday. Did. You didn't get to experience any of that. Yeah, I didn't. I, it's not as if I just got here. I mean, right. I'm, I'm not a lifer, but it's been and you know seven, hockey. seven years. You, follow, you followed hockey yeah, before you I got mean, here, so you get it. it you know this town. Of, you know the pulse of the fan. It was part uh, of what was still, exciting about moving here. Not that I, I didn't have, I mean, options. It wasn't like I was, you know, picked a place on the – it was like, all right, I've got a job, so I'm going to move there. But The Buffalo News was selling coins of Sabres players that were sold out. It was a madhouse to get these coins, a set of coins <laughs> that you got at Wilson farms. You know, that doesn't even exist anymore. That's how long ago the Sabres were, were good. Uh, yeah. Everything, every, just more, give us more, give us more. Yeah. There was a weekly poster on the back page of the sports section of somebody. Yeah. And I think I just, the bills are only just now getting to what those Sabres were to this town. I think we obviously saw it. Obviously it was matched and maybe even surpassed this past season with, you know, but it, yeah, it was. It's why I don't buy into. That just tripped me when you said that, Matthew, I just, it, you're right. I mean, it's, it, that it was feels just like, kind of like a revelatory moment. It feels like that, that sport is so much more a part of the fabric of this community than baseball or basketball would be. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I'm not tapped into the the basketball scene here but baseball is kind of splintered fan bases toronto's real close um i, I just yeah the idea I, to jonah's point when it gets brought up it's like okay cool it's not happening you know you don't just get to trade but 
I get pretty annoyed by the whole like, oh, just get an NBA team here, you know, swap out the, the hockey for the NBA. It's like, this is supposed to be a hockey city. It is like one of a handful in America that you can say hockey can be the number one sport if things are going well. I think, you know, want to talk about rock bottom that would be rock bottom if somehow they ever lost the team and it's probably not completely unheard of for it to happen we've seen you know stranger things happen and teams you know cities lose their teams all the time but that sport is supposed to be here and it's supposed to be a big it's a big deal to people beyond just the sabers and it would be It'd be nice to to see what everybody always has been telling me since I moved. Oh man, just wait. Oh dude, just wait until the Sabres are good. This place is going to be on fire. Well, Keep still waiting. waiting, still waiting. <laughs> I think maybe a more realistic or productive conversation to have is whether the power brokers and the people in Buffalo can make this Blue Jays thing a little bit more permanent, a series or a game or somehow getting this team to come back here every year and as long as they're affiliated and you could extend that to, you know, the never going to get an NBA team here in Buffalo, but you might be able to get NBA games preseason a reverse uh, bills payback, something like that. And preseason, especially, but even maybe one or two regular season games, if you establish that the market can bear that and would be excited about that. And that would be a moneymaker for the teams in the leagues. And I think there should be more, being done with the people that run the arena and the ball. I think the Bisons are doing everything they can. They probably are working very hard to get as much as they can, but Buffalo in general, we're not going to get a baseball 81 baseball games in this town again, after this pandemic situation. But if we could get three, that would be pretty cool every year. Might make some fans too, for the blue Jays. I think there are a lot of people wandering lost in the MLB landscape of I know there's Yankees fans and there's Red Sox fans and Indians fans and Pirates fans but how many of those are just sort of casual and would say you know what this is this is Buffalo's team now you know there are Blue Jays fans here too what was it like uh, John and Jonah when the uh, Blue Jays were winning in the 90s when they won their World Series what was it like in in Buffalo I think people were a little bit excited but the fan base has always been splintered between there's a lot of Yankees fans and then Cleveland was the affiliate for a long time. So there were Indians fans and Pirates fans. And so I don't think that because back then they weren't affiliated with the Blue Jays. So I think team, people were excited that the Blue Jays were good and they were very close. But I don't think that the Blue Jays have ever really been accepted as Buffalo's favorite team until maybe they're on the precipice of that now. Yeah, I think there was more excitement for the Indians World Series that you previously mentioned than it was for the Blue Jays one, just because they were the affiliate for so long and people knew those people knew those players rather than Joe Carter and whatnot. Yeah, it'll be. I don't know that I'm going to get to any of those games. Those prices scared me off, but I, I'm I'm investing in plenty of baseball elsewhere this summer. Uh, nothing against uh, Salem Field. It would be a pretty cool place. I mean, so intimate to be able to watch a game too a game that counts. It's not like you're going down to a small spring training stadium and watching guys where with Jersey numbers in the seventies um, going in a split squad game. Um, this is a game that counts in the standings. Uh, there'll be all stars and Cy Young winners and future hall of famers on the field and, you know, rookie stars and all the whole thing. So live baseball is the I best too. Right. I, like I, I feel like of the sports to observe as a fan, 
Um, especially as a casual fan, you just show up on a nice day, assuming the weather's nice. Uh, I mean, that's my get speed some beers too. and hot dogs. Yeah, with it's a just few beers, and I yeah, you let them you let them roll up a little. You know, the beers, the the, the plastic cups start stacking a little bit, and you you know you're spending way too much money. But you don't care. You're outside. You're at a ball game, um, enjoying yourself. It um, it's tough to be. We just only get what a couple of months where it would be the sweet spot weather-wise here in Buffalo, which is why I think people that long for what Buffalo doesn't have, like oh, if they could only get an MLB team or if they could only get an an NBA team, I think more what Joan is talking about, like appreciate I think minor league baseball is sort of the perfect speed for this town like going down to a bison's game is a good time you know it's not it's not major league baseball but it's also not major league baseball prices uh, so you get in the door you get what 80 percent of that experience sitting outside watching the beer cup stack up like watching a baseball game you're not you can watching take the best your kids players and not have to worry about school the next morning you can stay up late you know you just think of that mood after a hockey game or an NBA game on a weeknight. And it's like, it's almost like some of those fans you see, it's like they're, they're punching a time clock. It's like, all right, game's over. Let's go. Got to beat the traffic. Got to get home. You know, you don't have the, I don't know. Maybe we're, I'm getting a little philosophic about it. I do like my baseball. We went to a lot of those. We went to a lot more Bruins games going up, growing up than Sox games. Hmm. Went to a fair amount of Sox games, but you're right. The, the Bruins weeknight, feeling especially being about a 45 minute to an hour drive from boston with the traffic game day traffic was like it's great as a kid because you're like man i am i'm flirting with danger here i am out past midnight uh but i'm sure i'm sure my dad was uh was not you know super was, was probably stressed out about getting me home making sure i wasn't missing school and stuff well, the well, Buffalo fans, oh. so, well, I, just, I was going to say, Buffalo fans want to be connected to the big time in any way they can, as much as they can. So when Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is playing in Buffalo, that was a big draw. And Steven Strasburg filled that place. There were people hanging off the railings to watch him pitch when he came here 10 years ago. So I think if, if they can continue, I don't know how the Blue Jays are going to be prospect development-wise for the next few years, but they, if they can continue to have future stars coming through here and playing every year, and then maybe for one series or one homestand a year, they come back as major league players and you get to see how they look against major league pitching and they're all grown up now. I think that would be a really cool situation for Buffalo baseball fans. I think they should try it with the hockey team. <laughs> yeah, bring a major get, league hockey team. Yeah. <laughs> try to get some, uh, try to get connected to the big time in the hockey world, you know, bring some future stars onto that hockey team, you know, like, Cause you're right. Buffalo loves being connected to the big time. And then the big times right there, that's a professional hockey team in the uh, strict sense of the word. But um, if they start acting like one, maybe uh, look out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe people will want to be uh, hanging off the rafters at, at key bank center. <laughs> I don't know. And but, there's all sorts of ways you could go on for a whole show on, I think basketball ways you could do this. And there just doesn't seem to be, with the arena, somebody trying to, they're, they're barely paying attention to the Sabres now, I guess. So maybe it's too much to ask that they can book other events or figure out other tenants and other reasons to make people excited about Buffalo sports that the Sabres can't, you know, get everybody hired again. I don't know. 
But that's why <laughs> that's why I was <laughs> that's why I was um when I read through the drought team, I thought the biggest omission might have been and I don't know how you shoehorn it in there, but um I thought Terry Pagula probably should have been maybe as a general manager. Some people would say he oversteps his bounds a little too much. I don't know, but um I guess he sort of owns the whole thing as it is. It's sort of implied, right. but well when they had a different order, they went to the playoffs. That's sort of uh, sort of my thought, and there are there is some school of thought that he he's a little bit too involved with the hockey team, and I don't know how you know how concrete um, you know that that observation is, but he seems to be pretty hands off with the football team and let his let's being a McDermott do their thing. But we saw that video, and he was jonesing for Taylor Hall, and didn't exactly work out. So. I don't know. I think he's got a lot on his shoulders to pull them out of this too, because ownership, you know, starts at the top a lot of the times. Another thing I think we need in this town is a professional women's tennis association match. Let's put that in the baseball stadium. People do get pretty that excited will not about be that. In, that'll be at the football stadium. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not going to give that event. to some other venue. That's going to be. It's going to be at a Pagula venue. And a SummerSlam. Let's have a SummerSlam out there at the football stadium. Pretty good. Do they do that outside? They have sometimes. Mm-hmm. It could happen. I'd like to talk to Vince McMahon about that, see if we can make that happen. Big table breaking fest in the end of August. Oh, yeah. You have that connection? I think John Vogel's <laughs> got to go. No, but you might. You might be able to introduce me to somebody that can. John Vogel's got a phone. story to finish before All right, we go okay. on vacation. Um, John, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for breaking it all down for us. And um, my apologies for bringing up baseball, which uh, kept us on a lot longer. That's fine. All good. Enjoy your vacation. Thanks, my friend. Maybe I'll see you during it. Thanks to John Vogel. Thanks to Jonah Bronstein. Thank you to Matthew Fairburn. And thank you for listening to Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK. Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions. CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond.